everyone, I'm Corey Philly, and I'm the executive director at the Vancouver Fringe Festival, which is in full bore now. Vancouver Fringe running September 8th to 18th. We are actually in our fourth day. I cannot believe that. Um, I'd like to acknowledge that we are on the unceded traditional territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, and it is an honor to live, work, and fringe on these territories. I just, I have to tell you the weirdest, not the weirdest thing, I, we're making all these partnerships down here on the island, and uh, Carousel Theater is a, a lovely human set, or kind of kitty corner to where the Fringe's office are. And I asked them about, um, I don't know, three months ago, whether or not they'd like to be involved in the Fringe, and they said, we'd like to do a baby rave. And I said, what is that? And they said, we don't know. And I said, okay. And so this morning, uh, just behind a Festival House where the Fringe houses, they did the baby rave. And there were all these little kids. I swear to God, it was the cutest thing as well as just kind of uplifting to go in and just see joy as people were running around and having that kind of fun thing it was it was delightful it was entirely delightful um and here and it it was a very nice way to start off a sunday the fourth day and as well as uh with my next guest as well who is here doing a show called disclosure and we're going to say her i'm going to say it's Catherine, and then i'm going to say Matt Lashevsky. Yes. Matt Lashevsky? Absolutely. Matt Lashevsky. Yes. Woohoo! I win. I win. I win. Yes. Um, and uh, oh, uh, Catherine has agreed to come in and have a conversation with us, and thank you so much. Um, and I'm just going to start talking, and then hopefully we just have a conversation that it, it is of interest to you as well. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Oh, and also, Catherine took over uh, social media yesterday? Yes. That was cool. Thank you. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I have been doing the social media and marketing for my show, Disclosure, and I got reached out to by Matt. And He's our marketing communications yes, manager. We love Matt. Yeah, we love Matt. Yeah. <laughs> and Matt said, you're social media. You're doing good at social media. So you <laughs> oh, should be. He, he really. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He sold it, man. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, so. So I was asked to do a takeover within the next few days, and I said, tomorrow, tomorrow, I will do it tomorrow. Oh, so so I, was, I was emailing around midnight, and I was like, yeah, 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 tomorrow, tomorrow, sounds good, tell me. <laughs> what time are you going to do it by? Uh, I'll be up by 11. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So I jumped on board, and uh, it was such a blast to go around Granville Island and to hit all the spots. It's interesting you mentioned the baby rave. I also work at Carousel Theater. Oh, right, of course you do. Yeah. yeah. So so here I had to I did a bit of promoting for the baby rave, and I'm sad I missed it, but I'm so glad to hear it was oh, a it success. Was a, it was a hoot and a half. It's Absolutely. like everybody's like running around with faces like all kinds of tigers and lions and bears and then and they're you know from way 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 down here and one kid was just sitting on its haunches just doing this (laughs) i was like all right were there bubbles because i remember there were bubbles we had bubbles in the office we need more bubbles we need a couple we need two or two or three more uh, bubble machines Mm. or a very large bubble machine Yes. You never can quite know enough. I know, right? right? Bubbles. But yeah, so taking over the Instagram was such a thrill. I got to uh, go around Granville Island, talk to different artists, and yeah, it was... It was exciting. I oh. have never taken over an Instagram account, so this was my first time. So I just dove right in and tried a bunch of stuff. Well, you know, it's one of those things, though, that, you know, when you have so many artists who are delightful and wonderful and all those things, that somebody who is an artist and kind mm-hmm. of knows the, uh, the what what's happening with people, right? Like you're kind mm-hmm. of meeting up with people and people have a, a certain vibe that's going on. To be able to have the facility to do it, it's so helpful to a larger 
festival like us when we can't always focus on individual shows in the same way we'd like to. Yeah, absolutely. And adding on to that, also the community that Fringe brings on, it is such a wonderful experience because myself now as an artist in the fringe can walk up to anyone with a pass and be like, tell me about your show. What are you doing here? And so that gave me so much allowance. Um, Of course I do that when I'm not all on social media. I do that anyway, but it just gave me that extra step to be like, hi, I'm doing the fringe social media today. I'd love to get a picture or I'd love you to tell me about your show and I'll promote it and really share that and make it more of a community and continue the community feeling. So it, I, you know, you can't promote 70 something shows all. Not the same level. Not at the same level in the same time. So I feel really blessed to have had that opportunity. Oh, that's so cool. I'm glad you really enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing, well, (laughs) we, I have been following Catherine on Instagram. So I've been, you know, resharing everything. But it's really important um, to, uh, to have those kinds of, uh, people who are willing to liaise with you know anything, and also by the way, it's a it's a skill that you can bring to other things because it really does help if you decide that you're going to do a fringe circuit or you decide mm-hmm. that you, whatever you wherever you're going to take your work next. You know, theaters and, and presenters are always looking for people who really have that facility because um, I can. There's a was a really great uh, when I was working at my previous job. There was a really great um, dance company, okay, um, who young and obviously then media savvy in a way that often. Uh, you know, people my age aren't perhaps. And uh, they really just took it all over and they sold out their shows. It was wow. quite amazing, right? Because they really valued that part of it and um, and, it, and it just so, it's such, so helpful. But also mm. it's because you want to, I want to, one wants to, how about, or the organization wants to keep the energy up and the, you know, and the conversation going, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the marketing has changed so much. Mm. There, Yes, we have our lovely little handbills and we have our posters, but <clears throat> it's not, it's, I find that with social media now that we have that, it's also more of an accessible uh, way to uh, market. So yeah, yeah, it's just another level and it's another thing. And so trying to make sure all our bases are covered to get as many people down as possible. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, well, I'm going to talk a little bit to ask a little bit about yourself and then we're going to talk about your show. Uh, so we both just discovered that we are both, uh, Vancouver, uh, Vancouverites. We're born and bred in Vancouver. Um, and, uh, but I'd like to know a little bit more about like, so how did you get into theater? Like, what was it, interest from a young age? How did that all happen for you? Yes, that's a very good question. <laughs> I started in the arts when I was very, very young. Um, and it was absolutely, uh, it was something that I was drawn to from a very young age. So probably about at the age of two or three, I oh. started in the arts. Wow. And um, I was very fortunate to get some bursaries to go to Arts Umbrella. So I started off in the Arts Umbrella dance department. Yeah. And from there, I moved into the theater department. Mm-hmm. And I also did the visual arts department. Um, and my mom is actually, uh, was a dancer at the Royal Winnipeg Ballet. Okay. So the arts was very infused into my life and to growing up and being surrounded by the arts. So um, that's where I started. Mm-hmm. And then I was in high school. I did the, the, the whole drama thing in high school. And I was in the Arts Umbrella pre-professional theater troupe, okay. uh, which is a conservatory style program. It happens twice a week. And then I would do things like 
the arts club musical theater intensive and as, <laughs> as much as I could get my hands on. And from the age of about 13, I started volunteering in theater. I started ushering. I started uh, working in a box office. I started just making as many connections as I could. So nowadays when I go around, I go, hey, hi, so-and-so, nice to see you. And people are like, well, how do you know these people? I'm like, well, I've been around volunteering and, and volunteering my time because it's uh the Vancouver theater community is something I care a lot about oh that's so yeah cool. so that's where I started and then I just graduated in April uh from Studio 58 Ooh, yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah I mean a very uh beloved institution and this mm. turned out an enormous amount of amazing uh performers over the years mm-hmm. uh, and also all kinds of other human beings like technicians and designers Absolutely. and all, like all the other uh, portions that actually makes the world turn in in mm-hmm. theater and the performing arts very cool yeah. so like congratulations that's Thank you know you. It's, it's a thing right to be, yes. to be able to accomplish that yes three years whilst also going through a pandemic halfway through my training <laughs> and even um we were talking to um Reagan Shrum yesterday, mm-hmm. and and uh, she was talking about the fact that uh, that she started to get into theater and improv during the pandemic. Wow! Like, and all of it was online in um, uh, like from from afar. Like, it wasn't the mm-hmm. improv that she was doing was was based at a school in the states, and and she and that is where she came and developed a show and she's yeah. developing another show. I mean, it was, it's such an interesting world, isn't it? About mm-hmm. what the catalyst is in, in people's lives, but also what people did during the pandemic, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I was rolling on the floor in a basement <laughs> at Studio 58. Uh, absolutely. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, the first Studio 58 show I saw was, I was probably about 14 and mm. I saw Spring Awakening. Oh, wow. And I had no clue what the musical was. Mm. I was just told by the music director, oh, you should come and see this musical. You love musicals. And I do. I love musicals. <laughs> um, but this was, and I was like, okay. And so I remember lining up and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go to the bathroom. So I went and went to the bathroom. And the only seat left in the theater was front row center. And I didn't know what I was walking into. So there I am, a little teenager walking in and sitting down and my jaw dropped. Wow. And that was the first time I'd seen a show that wasn't, a fluffy musical and that wasn't a golden age musical and I saw that on stage and I thought this is what I want to do I want to do art that stretches boundaries and I want to do art that takes up challenging topics and then uh that's that's what made me want to go to studio interesting that's really interesting I think I had a I certainly had a similar and a lot of people would say that they had a similar experience I think I was 12 Mm. and I was in a Catholic school and I had no idea why they farmed us out to this because we went usually went to like Fort Langley that was Mm. our big thing right yeah yeah. and uh, we went we went to um the playhouse Mm -hmm. Uh, the playhouse still had an acting school at that point Uh, and Nicola Cavendish was in school for scandal uh and it really Mm. was like you know, because and I, we also were in the front row, and I was you know five <laughs> feet away from somebody. And I was like, "Can you do this for a living?" Yes, I didn't know you could do this for a living. I mean, I just did movie stars. My oh, mom yeah. was very big on that, but I had no idea that what you know you could be in a live performance experience like that, where you know you were 
Mm-hmm. You were just like within touching different distance of the person. Absolutely. And doing art where you can swear on stage, where you can dance on stage, where you can express yourself on mm-hmm. stage. That was so much more than I, I had witnessed. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah. Interesting. That's a very, that's a, that is an unusual journey. Often people mm-hmm. say, oh, well, there's not really anybody in my family. <clears throat> you know what I mean? But I Absolutely. really caught the bug and did the thing. Mm-hmm. God, I mean, I always think of it as slightly an addiction. I, it was such a, uh, such a strange thing when you realize, I don't know what happened. I just was never yeah. the same after that. And I, then, you know, it had to be the arts. I had to do this thing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So, then, then we, let's talk about the show that you're yeah. actually wrote in. <laughs> um, I know that you've been working with Jane Heyman, but what was mm-hmm. the inspiration for Disclosure, and um, like, and how and how long ago did you start thinking about it, and what time frame mm-hmm. was that, and just you know, I mean, kind of more, you know, it's it's been such it's so lovely to see new work that has been come out of the last two or three years. So how did you sustain yourself? Yeah. Any one of those questions you can ask. All the questions. <laughs> All the questions. That yeah. Uh, so at Studio 58, our final graduation project is a solo show. So we have to create a 15-minute piece of theater that we direct, that we write, that we perform, that we lighting design, that we costume design. We have to do absolutely everything. And so each one of us has to perform that. So... Within, we take a class called Solo Show, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a year and a half that we're in this. In the first little bit, it's, um, it's your witnessing and giving feedback, and then towards the, um, the last part of your training, you start creating your own work, and you start presenting it and pitching it. So I went on the journey of wanting to create something around the process of healing. I thought about, okay, well, I could do... I was, I was thinking and thinking and thinking and I was like, I should do something about my dyslexia. I should do something about um, confession of a part-time perfectionist or something. <laughs> and, and the thing that kept nagging at me was a process, was a show about healing. Mm. And I had seen so many pieces of theater that encompassed a certain event mm-hmm. and that circulated on a p- specific traumatic event but I hadn't seen a lot about the process of healing and the road and the rocky road that can take it's a roller coaster mm-hmm. so I finally landed on doing I guess the most biggest form of transformation and the biggest form of healing I've had to do mm-hmm. um, so that started in about January 2022 Okay, and so just this year. Just this year. Okay, yeah. yes, and okay. And I presented Disclosure, the first iteration, in April 2022. Mm-hmm. And with the week before I presented it, I thought, well, I'll apply to the Fringe. Why not? What's the worst that could happen? We're True. Still, yeah, you know? True. So I applied, uh, it w- I applied, and I applied to the lottery, and I had, when I was creating this piece, I knew I wanted to expand it more than the 15 minutes. So I thought, okay, well, I'll apply. I'll see what happens. And I got selected. Thank goodness. And the night I performed Disclosure at Studio 58, uh, I was approached by Jane Heyman. And she said... I love Jane. Absolutely. And so she said, this is amazing. What are you doing with it? I want to be a part of it. And from there, I, I think a week later, I ended up getting selected from the from the lottery, and Jane and I started working from there. That is so cool. Um, yeah. For those of us who may, those of you who may be watching, Jane Heyman, well, she's many, many, many things. Uh, she is a theater maiden. She ha- is an 
enormous support of the arts financially and otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is, has been one of my mentors. She was... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there used to be a festival called Women in View, yes. which uh, started sort of in the late 80s and ended sort of in the late 90s. And um, basically, it was a work initiated by women. I uh, used to run in January, sort of where the Push Festival now mm-hmm. has a little bit of a, a, a slot. And um, so same kind of, it's, it was a, a curated festival, so you had to apply to it, and then you would get venue across the city very similar to the fringe in that way and uh, very supportive of the artists and um and also uh then at the end of the tenure of of women in view um i was in a group of women who created a theater company and we took over the society number from the women in view so jane was very instrumental in making that happen and she was a huge um a supporter and also, as I said, mentor of not just me, but the other the other mm-hmm. women in the group. Uh, a fabulous human. Um, uh, so that was very cool to see that. And I don't think I put it together until I saw her standing outside Festival House the other day. <laughs> I went, oh, hi. And then she said, oh, I'm directing. And I went, that's right. Yeah. Of course, because I saw that. But you know how the information oh, just yeah. like stays on the surface the of picture. your brain? To the name, to the face, and she was also the past associate uh, director of Studio Fifty Eight. That's as well. right, of yeah. course. So of we course. have similar. It was wonderful to go into a rehearsal process with someone who knew my training and knew. Although she wasn't my teacher at Studio, yeah. she still knew the language in what I in which I had been taught. So it was such a wonderful collaboration process, mm-hmm. and we had such a similar vocabulary that it was wonderful to dive in. Yeah, that. yeah, for sure. Um, so I mean, obviously, the 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 content of the piece mm-hmm. is very personal to yeah. you, and um, I'm not sure how much you want to talk about it right yeah. now. But um, so, but how? Please feel free to just do wherever, yeah. wherever you feel that way. But I also just like to say, how was it working with something that was so personal for you? Um, because it's mm-hmm. it's sometimes hard to you know separate the wheat from the chaff in those Absolutely. scenarios, right? Yeah. Um, disclosure. Like I said, it's about the process of healing, and I wouldn't be able to do this piece if it wasn't for my own healing journey mm. and my own healing process, and also going to studio and be able to create a container for the work and to figure out my boundaries and edges of what do I want to put on stage, what do I want to share, what do I not want to share. Mm-hmm. And so having that exploration um, in my own creation process and I think the biggest thing when I when I started creating this was I don't want to present any form of violence on stage. Mm-hmm. I do not want to recreate the event. I do not want to um, explicit like have any explicit um, forms mm-hmm. of sexualized violence on stage. This is not what this is about. Mm-hmm. So being able to take up a challenging topic. And say, what now? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So from that and my own healing process, being able to discover those boundaries and edges and also now having um, expanded the show just a bit more. Mm -hmm. It's still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. um, But to be able to communicate that and communicate when something was uncomfortable, when I said I needed to stop. uh, But Jane and the entire team was such a thrill to work with everyone. I said this last night in my talk back was that everyone who I brought on board is, has such a kind heart. Oh yeah. And everyone involved is so kind and giving and respectful that it actually, I don't think it ever got to the point where I needed to stop. 
because I felt so safe and contained. Lovely. Yeah. That's lovely. And I, I imagine, you know, um, I imagine that day to day that was different. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's a really big topic apart from obviously you're delving into something that is, you know, um, has so, as you say, soft edges, hard edges, mm-hmm. all kinds of things that are attached to it. Uh, and about healing is that, you know, we really are talking about where safe spaces are available to people. Right. And mm-hmm. um, it's so important. I think when you are a professional and you also are like the emotional content on stage to mm-hmm. find that space and those people that really support whatever yes. needs to happen in the room. So you can, you know, come out on stage and have those, um, be very vulnerable on stage, right? Yeah. Something that was actually really helpful, something I'm taking out of the pandemic, especially is the need for self-care. So, (laughs) I know, shocking. Well, you know. The biggest thing for self-care. So, going into this process, having left school and left uh, a room where it was like, okay, this is what you need to do. This is what's happening at studio. Because this was my own show and I was bringing together all these people we got to make our own rules. Yeah. So for example, we made a room agreement. We made a letter of agreement. We would revisit it and talk about it and make sure that everyone was being heard and listened to. And there was that. And then there was also, we spread out our rehearsal period. So it was a very conservatory style, intense, uh, I think it was three, six, nine days, but Mm. spread over three weeks. Right. Um, And then also uh, Jane and myself are also Jewish. So we we chose to not rehearse on Friday evenings. Right. And so having that freedom and that choice to make make those adjustments to what we needed and what we had to make a safe space and to make an accessible space, that was so important to me going forward, especially with the content of Disclosure mm-hmm. and being able to have that room to breathe and also respect Shabbat and, and be able to do that. I've never in my entire life been able to say, sorry, I can't rehearse on Fridays. Right, yeah. And so to have that choice was such a gift. Well, it is certainly, I mean, the benefit of being, uh, you know, creating work and creating the, the, mm-hmm. the group around you who are going to be there, the, um, the team around you who are going to be there. I never like to use team. Sometimes I use ensemble. Team always makes me feel like, um, you know, they're bat- playing basketball. <laughs> uh, and there's not, you know, it always, and it feels pretentious to say ensemble, but it feels, it's, it's like that. Ensemble. It, ensemble. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, to say it, but at the same time, it, it's so important that you, and that you can do those kinds of things and you can mm-hmm. make those kinds of choices. It's a very, and, and you know, as you have, as you said, this is the first time you were able to do it because mm-hmm. you made the rules, right? Yeah. You, you set the boundaries for that. And I think this is a really good conversation about uh, theater in general or any kind of performative experience in general because how it's been, it's, it's kind of a punishing schedule when you're on a professional, professional thing. Like you can go, um, uh, like you can work two weeks, you can work three weeks and you're up and you don't yep. have the kind of... It, and you're working 10-hour days. You, it's it dependent upon what your contract is. Um, and it's a very punishing schedule. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I have great respect for all the actors who, who are yes. doing, like, long-term gigs, especially, like, you know, we have Bar on the Beach yeah. and those things. But it's hard. Like, there's an eight-day schedule involved Absolutely. in that. Now, not, not always are you performing every single time, but you have, like, one day off a week. And it's yes. very, it's very significant to note that. And... Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, and also it's the feast or famine thing, I think, as a performer, because you're so, you're so, um, you're so concerned about what's going to happen next, right? Like you always want to make the first gig and you may Mm -hmm. not have had that kind of experience, especially coming out of the pandemic. It's very true. You didn't have that kind of experience where you were 
employed for months at a time at a thing yes. um, that you want to you want to take and you want to be involved in it. And, and I'm certainly not calling Bard out. I'm I'm really just saying it's a tough, <laughs> it's a very tough, disciplined Absolutely. scenario, and and they're moving lots of parts. And I'm, it, but at, but also it's very. It, I don't think people understand how. Um, there's not really many windows there for for decision making from a yeah. personal point of view. You really have to go into the situation and understand what that is and then adapt to what that is. Mm-hmm. You know, like lots of employers, but you know. Yeah, and in addition to that as well, I find that the theater community, especially prior to the pandemic, it still is, yeah. but it's very product-based. Yeah. And so I have found with Fringe having to uh, take it from a solo show to now Fringe, it's it's a stepping stone. And so I'm I'm very passionate about finding a process based approach. Mm-hmm. So I think the Fringe is such a wonderful place for that to test the waters and dip your toes in. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So thinking about places like Bard or uh, you know all the theater companies, it's like we need to do a show. And I feel that there needs to be more space in the community for getting up there, showing what you have and saying, okay, let's have a conversation now. Yeah. So, and I think that's so important and it's very important to my artistic practice. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's something I'm really passionate about. That's very cool. And I think it's also, you know, I mean, now there's things like intimacy directors and there's, you know, those kinds of things, things that are really trying to establish. And for me, intimacy is all kinds of different things, but, you know, it's, it, they're really trying to establish how to work in a room with each other, right? Absolutely. So that it's not just taken for granted you'll, that everything is okay because con- consent, as we have, you know, keep on having a conversation about, mm-hmm. is is a it's a multi layered co- complex conversation, right? Absolutely. Uh, and sometimes you don't know you don't want to do it until you do it, and then you don't want to mm-hmm. do it, right? Like or are leading up to it. I mean, and that's in every kind of situation, mm-hmm. like where you, all of a sudden you find yourself at a dinner party that you should not have gone to. Uh, well, it's right? interesting that you bring up consent because that was a big part of also this rehearsal process and being able uh my stage manager caroline frost and i we tap in every every show so we put our hands together and we tap in and we engage and that's part of an intimacy practice um another thing that we did in rehearsal was we would talk about our our boundaries so as i said earlier so Mm -hmm. there was general boundaries which is the bathing suit area and then any other boundary which is a personal boundary so every day we would check in we would have a check in and a check out in each rehearsal and make sure that we have that uh, that space to say our boundaries. For example, if I said, uh, my general boundaries, bathing suit area and my front sides and back of my neck. And so those are the places that no one could touch me. Right. Um, not that really anyone did because it was a solo show. Yeah. 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 Uh, But even in this, you're in a space, right? Absolutely. And so making that more accessible and, and opening that conversation, because as you said, intimacy is so much more than physical, physical touch. Yes. Yes. And you know, sometimes you're just, uh, and things, and also it's like not, I think sometimes we want to go along with things and, and, and people are say things or something like that and it mm-hmm. strikes you wrong or you're, you have a problem with it. Like, inter- like one has a problem with it. I mm-hmm. have a problem with it. And then, you know, it doesn't feel like a place where you can say that or you don't say it. And so, you know, there's mm-hmm. lots of, as you said, there's lots of levels about how to um, move forward. And I, I'm, and also, you know, because healing, as you, you have said, um, in what's going on, you know, it's a multi-pronged approach. I mean, I think in my own life, you know, I've done therapy at the same time I'm doing yoga at the same time, like I'm doing other kinds of things, you know, right. (laughs) So there's lots of, there's lots of layers to that. So it's, you know, the unraveling of an experience 
if one can say that, or how about this, the, the, the ability to live with an experience as yes. part of your historical, you know, package, but not make it the experience that defines everything for you as you Absolutely. go forward is, is really, um, uh, like, an, like a constant conversation. Yes, absolutely. And that's something that um, myself and my producer, Natasha, and also we have a talk back with WEVA, which is Women Against Violence Against Women. Mm -hmm. And so part of that conversation, it was very interesting because the word normal came up. Oh, and yeah. and this, if people should feel or it's normal to feel X, Y, Z. But I can't remember. I think it was, I think it was the person who we were talking to was Anna from WEVA. And she said, it's a normal... Oh gosh, she said it's a normal uh, reaction to an unnormal experience. Yeah, and so finding that those ways to—I don't know where I'm going with this now, but uh, but well, the no, it's like how, how do you how yeah. do you maneuver through that? But and also I think if nothing else is Jonas, I think normal is an overused word to it's me. It's a setting I'm, on a dryer. Yeah, it's a setting on a dryer. It doesn't really exist. No. It doesn't really exist. And even normal doesn't really exist on a dryer because, you know, <laughs> some things get burnt and some things, whatever. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. But, I mean, I know we all struggle with the idea that there's a standard to which we are supposed to be living mm -hmm. our lives. I don't know who that is, but I mean, yeah. anyway, or, and it's placed up there and we're at, and coming back to social media is very much at times put in, in front of you as if the perfect life is able to be curated in this particular Absolutely. way, right? Yeah. And you adding know? on to that as well, the... Um, the biggest thing that I've been ex uh, that I experienced during my healing process, and also within the show that plays a lot, is the if you don't have proof and it's not visible, mm. then it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And that is a big theme within the show is needing proof, especially within the current medical system. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other challenge. Is is needing physical proof and it's not the same as having a broken leg where where you can say, oh look, I have a cast. Mm -hmm. uh, I need help. Um, and when it's not physical or there's no physical remnants, how does one gain the support? So that's a big, big theme within the show. Well, yeah. And it's such an interesting conversation too, because mm -hmm. everybody agrees that, you know, I mean, I'm, if people dither about the statistic, but one, if one in four women are sexually assaulted during their lifetime and the stats don't play out into who is reporting that, that's not how it, the, the stats are, yeah. then clearly there are a whole bunch of human beings that have had that experience who don't report it, right? Absolutely. And, uh, and so it can't be just that. And the reason is exactly those reasons is that mm -hmm. they feel that they're being held to a standard to define proof in a way that may not like in the middle of your trauma be able to be manifested right? absolutely and and it's challenging when the medical system is not trauma-based um when it is very much needing physical proof or mm. physical representation or um yeah and so in this show disclosure it's very much the challenge of having to repeat the story oh yeah and the constant even if for example if you break your leg how many times do you have to repeat it to the nurse or the new nurse or the doctor or the specialist and or then your friends. or your friends <laughs> and how the heck you fell down the stairs breaking your leg yeah, yeah. but imagine if that's a traumatic experience on top of that yeah and if it is a sexual assault or if it is an assault and the emotional labor and more even it can be re-triggering to have to retell the story and that was something that I personally experienced was having to retell the story over and over and over again and that's when I started to doubt myself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what yeah. actually happened mm -hmm. you don't remember mm -hmm. what were you doing 
<laughs> so it there's so much it's as you said earlier it's a layered layered process mm-hmm. to to heal mm-hmm. and it's definitely not linear so oh lord yeah. no it really is not uh, and I think that that's the other thing too is that um you know even if you take it out of the realm of assault like we all have moments where we're in a situation and somebody says something to you or you're you're having this experience mm-hmm. and it's like you know the old thing of a tree falls on the floor so nobody hears it does mm-hmm. it still happen well of course it still happens it's yeah. just we're so conditioned to it being something that can be uh formalized right you know mm-hmm. in a particular way when actually a lot of our experiences come in we have it goes through a whole bunch of different perceptions about ourselves and uh, the, the history of our human being and how Absolutely. we are and then it gets expelled out as a perspective right yeah. and and it's very um uh and so in a small way it, that's how you know you can as you can say you can talk to somebody else and they were in the same room and they went that's not how I saw that or Absolutely. that's not what happened or I didn't see that happen. That's why we're, why eyewitnesses are so sucky. It's like because you everybody sees mm-hmm. something different from what they were paying attention to. So, yeah, I think it's a very um, – a really important thing to understand that uh, that level of, um, of, of, of it wanting to be uh, like a, a – you know, it started here and it ended here or, you know, mm-hmm. and now I'm this and this is how it happened. It's, it's it's very problematic in in terms of, especially in terms yeah. of trauma. And within the show, there's actually a line that's repeated a few times. It's let's start at the beginning. And what is the beginning? Yeah, the beginning of the incident, the beginning of my day, the beginning of when I was eating breakfast. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. So exploring what I guess the medical professionals in the show want the woman to divulge, or what they're looking for, and not having the right words or the not right words, but the words where they want her to respond a certain way. And when she doesn't do that. Yeah. And what, how, yeah. what how does that work? Well, we're kind of getting into talking about the show. So <laughs> let's talk about the show. And um, so um, I guess I would ask two questions. And one of them is obviously tell us about how you, as much as you want to talk about in the show so that you're not giving everything away. No, so people will come to the show. <laughs> um, and also um, if you were to say – given that this is a lot of information and you're trying to sort through what everything is that you want to actually focus on, what you think the why is you want to tell the story? Hmm. Why I want to tell the story? Mm. I think the biggest thing is to create empathy Mm. and to create awareness um, for folks who empathy towards survivors and, and, Acknowledging that, oh gosh, this is a, it's a very full question, but definitely I think the umbrella is empathy for survivors, for, uh, for healthcare providers, for bringing awareness to the current medical system and that there isn't, I wouldn't say that there's a right way to, to treat patients currently. But um, I think awareness mm-hmm. of how you speak to people and there is, you never know what's going on mm-hmm. underneath the surface. It's mm. only the tip of the iceberg, what you can physically see. Mm-hmm. So I think at the end of the day, empathy. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And that's a really lovely, that's really lovely, you know, to, I, I think coming out of a situation and think how can this, my experience mm-hmm. and then my artistic practice then we moved into the world in a particular way. Absolutely. That's a really cool way of looking at it. And 
So describe to us, if we were coming to see the show, <clears throat> sort of what is it? Uh, tell us about the character. Talk, uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what the you know, what the vibe is or what, how you, how, how a little bit about the story so that we understand what, yeah. what is going on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the biggest thing I think, uh, what we've already kind of talked about mm -hmm. is that how the journey is fragmented. And so the journey within disclosure is very fragmented. It's not necessarily linear. Mm -hmm. So it goes back in time and it jumps forward and it's, there's lots of memories. I think the, something I really enjoy is the interdisciplinary uh, work mm -hmm. within the show so there's soundscape there's movement the through line is a poem and so finding all these different ways to communicate and revisit and express this lived experience mm -hmm. so um, I think audiences will enjoy that mm -hmm. knowing it's not it's not a linear story it's not we are going to sit down and I'm going to tell you once upon a time that there were three little bears yes. um, yeah. it is it is very open-ended and and it's still very much a work in progress. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that we're playing with is soundscape mm -hmm. and having, I had three lovely voice actors, all studio grads, nice. uh, Raquel Newman, Tristan Foy, and Ivy Charles. And they helped a lot with uh, developing the other voices in the piece. So uh, that's a whole new thing because or originally at studio, I had to do all the voices. So, oh. <laughs> so it was a little confusing with what is she doing what is she talking about um so having more clarity with that um yeah yeah <laughs> I don't want to give too much no, away no, no, no. but uh again with my background in dance and physical theater that plays a big part in the show and I definitely moving forward and and continuing to develop the piece I definitely want to bring more of that back in mm -hmm. um yeah yeah do yeah. you see it um Thank you. And do you see that it's uh, that you think um, it's because it's a thirty-minute show right now, right? It is a twenty-minute show, show with, with a, a ten-minute talkback. Talk right. Yeah. And do you see this as coming into? Um, I, I don't know what full length is, but let me just say it. Uh, do you think it's like? An, you, do you see it expanding to an hour? Do you see it, or do you see that? I mean, sometimes shows are what they are, like in mm. terms of the experience of what the show is. Sometimes it just feels really good in the uh, more contains time frame. Mm. So just as a, a thought about what's going to happen next in your world. Yeah, absolutely. Two things. One, yes, I want to expand it to at least minimum 30 minutes, okay. I think. The second thing is that currently we're speaking to uh, Sally Thorne, which is, I believe she's the head of nursing at UBC, mm -hmm. and using this piece as a form of her curriculum within training oh, nurses for, so yeah, for trauma-based work. So that's possibly the next step. Mm -hmm. I'm also looking into other festivals and ways to expand it more, but I would love the feedback that I've been getting is people are saying that was amazing. We wanted more. Oh, that's a great. So, so that, that's a wonderful, um, a wonderful feedback for me to think, okay, great. This was the next stepping stone was the fringe. Great. And now I can expand more and, exp and, um, lengthen and really, really, um, expand yeah 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 like the fill silly, it out fill, fill it, fill it yeah. out more right I mean yeah. like feel feel where you want to go with it that's it's a great idea you know I I think there's a person you might want to talk to Ooh. um not because they're exactly the same theme as you mm. but um there's a, a Vancouver actor called Patrick Keating oh okay and he did a piece called Inside Out which explored his mm. experience working with <laughs> being a, 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 a um 
sorry, prisoner in the Canadian justice system over a period of time because of drug addiction and stuff like that. But well, he wrote this piece, I'm going to say maybe seven or eight years ago, and I saw it in a small gallery off of, um, sadly, which doesn't exist anymore, off of um, Maine, which was also a performance space. Hmm. And he has basically hooked up with a whole bunch of social justice people who are talking about incarceration and all that kind of stuff. But it, it, it's not so much the theme is the same, but the idea is the same mm. about how can you move this piece of art and make it moving for other people. And it's been shown in prisons. Then he just went to Berlin and did a keynote. Oh, wow. Like, like not the dude I knew when I met him 30 years ago would never have done this. But wow. because he's found this amazing voice and he's had a, a mentor, just like you have a mentor, mm-hmm. um, who kind of moved him in a direction. It's one of those scenarios where because it's so reflective of people's experiences or it's reflective of people's experiences um, sort of uh, like like disclosing uh, the the you get the the title right (laughs) disclosures disclosure Um, uh, you know disclosing it in a particular way to people who have never had that sort of perspective right they're looking they're often people in social social justice work or in like certainly in the prison uh, system are looking from the outside in about yes. that. Um, and it, it was a very, um, a very specific sort of a very personal experience of his own. And, and it really, it's, it's done this kind of amazing thing. Anyway, I, I'll, let me hook you up with Please, it. He's, he's that'd be of, amazing. He's Thank a really you. interesting guy and he's really generous and, um, uh, and this, and his piece is lovely. And, uh, I just think it, who knows what changes the world. you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me when is Disclosure coming on? When is next? What's your next show? Today! uh, September 11th at 5 p.m. Okay, cool. And uh, you're going to be, you have more performances during the week? Yes, absolutely. I have a show on Monday at 4 p.m. And then, oh gosh, uh, September 15th at 5.15 p.m. (laughs) And September 17th at 6.45 p.m. Great. And And so everybody can go and see your work in VancouverFringe.com, buy your tickets, go to more than one show. Show, but definitely come to see Catherine's show. Disclosure. <laughs> it's at the Nest. It's at Festival House. It's the first almost uh, performance space on the island as you come in. So, um, uh, yeah. She, so, it would be so lovely if you actually made that offer. And, you know, I'm around too. If you want to bug me, I'm there. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming out and talking. And, by the way, do you have anything else that you want to say? You can say about how are you feeling, how things are going with you. It doesn't have to be anything about your show. Oh, goodness. I am... I... My... I do this in rehearsal. We do a head, heart, uh, body check-in. So my head is filled with electricity right now. My heart is (laughs) twitter-pated. And my body feels like... Uh, uh, like a jello force field, Ooh. and so I'm just I'm just ebbing and flowing with with the jello. I got to take some <laughs> of that jello force field. I think that's what I need to do over the next Absolutely. week. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Oh no, thank you so much. It's been a delight. And um, everybody, we've got another I think now seven days. Well, I mean, counting this eight days. But so please come out. We'd love to see you. I'd like to thank Leap Creative Studios and Marvin and Ken for being here again. Oh, we're so delighted to be here. And uh, Leap Creative is also doing all the live streaming and they're happening every day this week. So take a gander at VancouverFringe.com and uh, all the shows um, are going to be up there as well. Thank you, everybody. $15, very cheap. See you later. (laughs)